anything that we haven't discussed on this podcast before, okay? You know, dating is something that we talk about, you know, quite a lot. And I know that there are some women out there who hate the fact that the dating pool for them is just not working out in the way that they want it to. And I know that there's some of them who want a family so bad and who want kids so bad that some of them settle and then some of them don't settle, but they're like, am I supposed to just wait though? Like, am I supposed to wait for this person, this mysterious person to show up? Like, what if I want kids now, but I am approaching an age where, you know, it may be harder for me to try and conceive. Well, our next guest, Julia Carroll, she is the founder of the podcast Stork, where she talks about this, you know, new new family that's happening, right? She is a mom, but she is a chosen solo parent, not single parent. Like there's no co-parenting involved, a solo parent. She's a solo mom, meaning she went to a sperm bank. She went about making this decision all on her own when a relationship she was in where she thought, you know, love her life, so on and so forth, didn't work out. And then she was left with, you know, this feeling that this rug was pulled out from under her. And she's like, well, what do I do now? Like, that was supposed to be the person I have my family with. And now that's not going to happen. What do I do? And so she talks with me you know, through all of the steps that she went through, but also all the questions she had to ask and all of these things she had to go through for the sperm donor. And then, you know, all some of the ethics things. I mean, y'all, my jaw dropped several times in, in this whole interview. I have learned so much. Um, hopefully you learn just as much as I did. Hey Slay Nation, we're back with another episode of the So She Slays podcast and I am so excited to deep dive into this next conversation with Julia Carroll. She is the founder of Stort and she's trailblazing this new, um, I don't want to say it's totally new, but I'm saying it's coming more from the, like to the forefront now. I feel like more people are embracing this lifestyle of a modern family, um, a woman choosing to be a solo parent and and so on and so forth. So go ahead and, and do a little short intro about yourself. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Julia, and um, I'm coming here as a solo mom by choice and also somebody who started a podcast exploring what it means to have a family. My day job is in finance, um, which is the opposite of all the stuff that I talk about on the podcast in some ways and in some ways very integrated. Um, And I just got fascinated with the subject of what does it mean to have a family when I was trying to figure out what my family should look like and whether it was going to include kids or whether I was going to do it on my own or whether I was going to become a stepmom or whatever. And the podcast came from that. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I'm excited because so we, we did a little talking offline and then I, I read some more about you and it, this whole shift kind of happened when unexpectedly the partnership that you were in just ended. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, in hindsight, relationships end, right? Like, and some of us, some of us are really lucky. We meet our person early on and that is it. But many of us are out there and we are working those apps and we're trying so hard to find somebody special. And 
I think you said it. The men aren't shit. <laughs> like they, they aren't. I forgot to ask if I could swear. No, you can totally swear. I do it all the time. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, th- something about the generation of millennial men, They their parents raised them to be wonderful sons, I'm sure, but they're not raised to be wonderful partners. And so the rest of us, if you if you choose to date men, and not all of us do, um, are stuck with these, I don't know, these like... M- gremlins to date and it can be really complicated so I was dating a a gremlin who I thought was my prince charming and it turns out I was wrong and the relationship ended as many do but I was 35 and so what do you do when you want kids and your relationship ends at 35 in my case I had a complete like life breakdown a complete meltdown because I just felt like the rug was being ripped under me and that this man that I thought I loved was not my person but also I thought this means I can't have a family. Oh, right? No. And especially if that's what you really want. Like, I mean, we talk all the time on here, like, you know, to preface too. like, so she slays all of us. We don't hate men at all. So if you're going to like, listen to this and feel some type of way, we're not men bashing at all. Um, there are good men out there. They're yeah. just few and far between. Okay. <laughs> and there, there are, there really are. And it's all about luck and timing. And exactly. So- and, and, and I mean, to kind of go back to like what we were saying too, it's just like, you know, when you are of a certain age, I mean, look, we do have biological clocks too. And then yes, women are having children later in life, but, but I can totally understand the women who are just like, I've wanted a family forever. I've wanted to be a mom forever. Or, you know, you hit that point in your life and you're like, do I, don't I, I do, but then you don't have any prospects. So then you're like, okay, well, am I just supposed to put my dreams on hold because I can't find a dick? Like, <laughs> well, it's or not one about, of quality. <laughs> right. It's, and it's not about finding it's not about finding that because you can find that if you want, you know, you, you can get out there and um, meet somebody who's going to be great in bed or a great friend or whatever. It's finding the person who's going to be your life partner and help you raise kids. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different profile. And there are wonderful men out there and they're wonderful women. If you choose to date women and um, many solo moms are actually solo and looking for a female partner. Um, So I don't want to discount that and say it's all about the men, but there's this biological clock and there's actually three clocks. If you think about it, you've got your biological clock, you've got your career clock. Many of us are choosing to put our careers front and center. And somebody reminded me the other day that women didn't get checking accounts. We were not allowed to have checking accounts until the 1960s. We were not fully participating in the workforce until the 1970s. So we have spent the past 40 years embracing the new opportunities that we get to become the best career professionals that we can be. And sometimes that means hustling when we, our biological clock may actually want us to be having babies, right? So it shouldn't, it ends up being either a trade-off between finding the right man um, and having a kid or finding or investing in your career and having a kid. And it shouldn't be that trade-off. Unfortunately, it can be for those people who want kids. And so for me, it was all the things, you know, I've been working on my career, the relationship failed and I wanted kids. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of things all going on at the same time, right? Oh my right? gosh. Okay. Yeah. So what was the process like in yeah. trying, it, it, I mean, cause I'm sure you've had conversations with yourself, with others and you're like solo parenting by choice, like 
Parenting mm-hmm. is not easy. I mean, I can tell you several parents. I'm sure you know several single parents who are like, yo, what did I do? <laughs> oh, yeah. And me too, sometimes, right? Um, I-, I think any parent will have that moment. And by the way, it happens in other things too. You can be in your career and absolutely thriving and every once in a while you go, I don't know that I love this right now. Or I'm like dating somebody and like, he's amazing. But like right now, I'm not so sure. <laughs> like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Um, so we all have those moments, right? And that happens with parenting too. But But first I'll say is solo parenting is an amazing option afforded to us by changes in social norms and science. And it's also not for everyone. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time reflecting on whether it was right for me. It was a lot of thinking about trade-offs and what was more important and who I was at my core. It was crying and journaling and talking to coaches and talking to friends, you know, all the stuff that you go through as part of your self-exploration journey that many of your guests are probably doing like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those things that was like that little whispering in the back of my mind, like maybe I'll do this. And the whisper got louder and louder and louder and louder and louder until I couldn't not do it. And when you make the right decision for yourself, and tell me if you've ever had this experience, you make the decision that like peace comes over you. You get that like, ah, yeah, that was right. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when you know that, yeah, that's when you know you made the right decision. That's for you. Yeah. Like when that, yeah. that, when that, I feel like everything aligns and you're like, all right, totally. yeah, I'm just doing it. Totally. The alignment is so key. So it, it was in my best interest. It was in alignment with my heart and my values and what I wanted to be as a person to choose solo parenting. It's not for everyone. As I said, I was also thinking about what would it feel like to be a stepmom? Cause I was dating somebody who had two kids and I was thinking about what would it mean if I just traveled the world extensively and used my disposable income to like have the best life. And that was really frankly appealing, you know? I mean, <laughs> speaking to my heart right now. <laughs> exactly. And it, I had to get comfortable giving that up. Like, am I okay not traveling internationally as much as I would like to if I could? And am I okay not having the flexibility that if a friend calls and says, hey, I'm going to this bar, would you like to join me? That I what can't were, just drop everything. I, I have to ask though, because like, and yeah. I don't want to interrupt you because this is so mm-hmm. fascinating to me. What were the questions that you, I mean, like you kind of listed off you know, a whole bunch of like little ones, but was, was it just like a whole bunch of little questions or was it just like this one big moment where you're like, no, I want this. Yeah. Yes. And it was the big question that I had to ask myself was, you know, if you close your eyes and imagine the worst case and the best case scenarios in the worst case scenario, I option one is I keep trying to date I find the man of my dreams and he's the absolute perfect person for me. And by the way, I I kind of did, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, And in so doing, I lose my opportunity to have kids. I miss my window. So perfect man, everything's happy. I've got the best relationship, everything I've ever wanted, no kids. Or the other alternative, you know, side of the spectrum is I have a kid. And then as a result, I never, ever, ever, ever meet that perfect person. I never settle down. I'm single for life. And you know, you have to think about those extreme, extreme, extreme. And for me, as much as I like dating and I like, I would love to have that perfect partner. It was, it ended up being a no brainer. I would be more miserable um, in the perfect relationship with no kids than I would be having kids and never having a partner again. That's when you know you really, really mm-hmm. wanted kids. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. goodness! See, and the and then the reverse for me, <laughs> for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want them that much. <laughs> 
Well, you know, <laughs> maybe I should not be a mother. <laughs> the, the question you might ask yourself is, if I met my perfect person and he really, really, really wanted kids, would I be happy with that? Or would I rather not have kids um, if it meant being, you know, rather not have the guy if it meant having kids? That's the kind of trade-off you want to think about. Those are some... You're giving me a little anxiety. My heart's over here pounding. I'm like, Sorry. that's a question. That's a question. Um, no, but I mean, those But those are the type mm-hmm. of questions you have to ask yourself when you're thinking about bringing in a new life into this world. Yep. So I totally understand. Like you, yourself, and your journey, like that is what you wanted. That is you totally. know, the decision you made. So let's talk about this. Like it's one thing to make the decision. And it's mm-hmm. another thing to do things about it. So how was that? Yeah, that was wild. Um, I had made the decision and given myself a timeline. Um, I had sort of set myself on the timeline. I'm going to go on a tangent that I don't know that you're prepared yeah. for, but it's, it's all right, girl. Let me let me just strap in. <laughs> let me just yeah. find center and let's go. Hold on. So I I went on this like last hurrah trip and um, did a lot of meditation. I was in Peru with some friends and I, I recognize my privilege in being able to travel like that. But I did this last raw trip and in my head, I had this time frame around starting a family. And I come home and I said to myself, well, maybe I'll just go on the apps one last time just in case I meet that person and that will change the trajectory. And lo and behold, somebody messaged me and oh, I live- course. I know I live on the East coast and he lives on the West coast and he was visiting because his work is in my city. And I was like, okay, I literally told him, I was like, okay, I'll just go on a practice date with you. And date one fell head over heels with this guy. Right. So now I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to start a fertility journey and you live on the West coast. I live on the East coast. He was going through a divorce with two kids, couldn't move. So we ended up doing a long distance relationship for a period of time. He was fully aware of my fertility journey. We explored breaking up so I could go pursue my fertility journey. He decided to kind of like stay in my life. Right. So I'm like, it, it got like really messy, <laughs> really complicated. I was like, this sounds complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. It's, it's complicated. Um, it has since ended. But in the end, um, which is why I think there's an important distinction between solo parent and single parent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, single parent is you may be a solo parent and then later on you meet somebody and you date them for a couple months or a couple years. You're not necessarily single, but your your parenting experience is solo. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I know a lot of single people who are, you know, have had a divorce and they're co-parenting with their ex, right? So they're not solo parents. They have uh, their kids 50% of the time or 60% or whatever it is on their own, but they're not solo parents because they have a parenting partner. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of weird language stuff. Um, But the technical stuff of what I did is a couple of years prior to making the decision to become a solo parent, I froze my eggs. Anyone who is at all uncertain about what they want, whether they want to spend time on their career, whether they want to spend time finding the right guy, whether they think they don't want kids, but might maybe just possibly want kids. If you're in a financial position to do so, I highly encourage you to freeze your eggs. It's Mm -hmm. not a guarantee. It's possible you go back to use those eggs and they don't work. And it's exceedingly expensive and our insurance programs are broken and we do not support people to freeze their eggs enough. But if you could afford it and you're at all on the fence, I highly encourage it. It gives you time, space, options, you know, the ability to think through what you really want in life. Yeah. You know, Um, the second thing I did was I talked to my doctors and I got my full fertility panel. And that's where you begin. You need to know what your baseline is. 
Um, they'll give you your levels, like how many eggs do they think you have in your ovarian reserve? They might even find things like PCOS or endometriosis, which are these, they're very complicated diagnoses, but they could be, there could be something happening in your uterus and or ovaries that you need to be aware of. Um, and then, so you got to get like all the panels done. You need to know what's happening in your body. They might even do something where they look inside your ovaries and make sure everything's like all the tubes are open. Everything looks healthy. You know, there's a lot of yeah. medical steps to take before moving forward. If you're choosing to use a doctor, I know people who have chosen to use known donor sperm and do home inseminations actually did try a home insemination, which didn't work, um, which is exactly what you think it is. It is a fancy turkey baster. And um, but I was works. like, I was like, so how was this like yeah. a turkey baster moment yeah. or was this like actual something else? <laughs> nope. Nope. It's exactly what you imagine it to be. Um, and so I know a lot of lesbian couples, in fact, that will find a known donor who will bring over fresh sperm and they'll inseminate themselves at home and they have a tremendous amount of success with that. So if you don't want to go the doctor route, that's a possibility. Um but I went the doctor route. I got everything tested, everything evaluated. The reason I did the home insemination was COVID hit and the doctor's office is closed. And mm. at this point I was like, the train's moving. Let's go. We're doing it. We're, We're doing momentum. it. Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately there's a lot of different processes you can use. I got pregnant using something called IUI, which is intrauterine insemination where they take the sperm and they basically, it's like a more technical turkey baster and they get it as close to your uterus as possible or they get it in I your like uterus and yeah swim swimmers exactly <laughs> exactly and that can work um it doesn't always work it's also cheaper and less medically invasive than doing ivf and then it, most people if they're going through fertility treatments or trying to do it on their own would start there and then move on to IVF if it just doesn't work. But there's a lot of ways to get pregnant with medical support. So I won't presume to talk about them all at the same time. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Okay. So there's like a slew of like, you know, tests and things that you yep. can do and options for sure. Um, how you picked a sperm donor. I did. Yeah. I just want to know how that process went and like those, like, what were you looking for? And mm -hmm. is it really just like, I'm going to pull out this binder of like profiles and be like, all right, sir, number E6, blah, 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 blah. I choose you. A hundred percent. It is very similar to what it's portrayed on in the movies. The one difference is the binder is now digitized. It's all online. Of so course. in this, right. It's almost like swiping for a baby. Um <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And and there's some really great things, right? You'll get these profiles and you'll learn about the, the donor. If you're going through a bank, and I used a bank called California Cryobank, which is one of the largest, there are ways to find people who are known donors who either use it. And I've been using that term. That's when you know the person and they're um, helping you out. Or I've even heard of people finding somebody on an app who wants to give their sperm. I really don't encourage that because I think you don't know much about their medical history or, you know, how many people they've donated to. But there's there's risks to everything you choose. Um, but let me talk about the experience of choosing a donor. It is one of my favorite questions to ask my guests on my podcast. I have never heard the same answer twice. 
So oh some people goodness. will say like, I wanted somebody who looks exactly like my partner, or I wanted somebody who looks like my family. So they clearly fit in. Some people will say, I wanted somebody who has the opposite trait. So if I'm short, I want somebody tall. If I'm fair and burn easily in the sun and worried about skin cancer, I want somebody who has darker skin so that they are my kid is protected from that. I've heard somebody do it based on blood type so that if you if your kid gets hurt, they have the same blood type as you and you can immediately donate to them. Oh my God, these are all valid. All valid. And none of them I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you think about? I wanted to evaluate intelligence, um, okay. which by the way is nebulous enough. Like how do you deva- evaluate if somebody is smart or not? I, I, um, I mean, I, were there IQ points listed? Like, No, no IQ points. So you do get grades. Um, and you know what they're majoring in They're mo- Most people who are donating sperm are in their early twenties. So they're in college or in grad school. Um, so, you know, like if they're majoring in a medical profession or in a scientific or engineering profession, or if they're an English major or something like that. And I moved towards the hard sciences because I felt like not that hard sciences are more intelligence than, um, than the social sciences. I'm a, I was a sociology major and I, don't feel less intelligent than engineering majors. But I felt it was easier to know that an A in an engineering degree meant something regardless of what the school was, whereas an A in a sociology degree means something at certain schools and not at others. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what school they go to. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, that's just like making something up because you have to filter through so much information. I just, I was really just making it up as I went along. I was like, okay, so... <laughs> Literally, when you told me that most of these these sperm donors are, like, in college, or I was like, there's a whole bunch of, like, college dudes with some yeah. freaking offspring running around. And, yeah. <laughs> like, that is wild to me. But, like, I mean, I get – I mean, I get it. I, I get why it would seem so appealing. And I'm sure this process is expensive. And it is. And a sperm donor and, you know, searching through all these things – um, how was that? Yeah. So, so far as I filtered for intelligence. And then the second thing I filtered through was kindness, which is impossible to read on a yeah. thing, but, um, it is extremely expensive. It's extremely expensive. And it's also fraught with a lot of ethics problems. Um, and I won't go into them too, too much, but you just mentioned one, which is that a bunch of college students now have kids running around. Um, so here are the ethics problems. One is the college students may or may not fully understand what they're signing up for. They think they need money to pay for whatever they're going through, you know, pay for school or whatever. And they say, yeah, okay, I'll have kids. But it's a it's con- concept, like, sorry, it's conceptual. I'm stumbling here. But it's very hard at 18, 19, 20, 23 to say, okay, this is what it means. There will be little me's as early as nine months from now running around. So that's oh one that's of the giving issues. giving me anxiety. I'm not even yeah. a dude. Like I don't even have swimmers like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm the, freaking me out. The other issue is we women have a limited number of eggs. So if we're an egg donor, there's only so many little us that we can create. There's a lot of sperm. Men produce tremendous amounts of sperm, and particularly mm. young men um, who are very virile. So there aren't as many caps on how many sperm vials can be sold per donor. And so the big issue in the donor conception world and those people who identify as donor conceived is that they 
particularly the ones who have grown up and are now in their 20s and finding that they are donor conceived and finding siblings on 23andMe or whatever, many of them are finding that they don't have five siblings out there in the U.S. They have 50. And in some cases, I've heard of as many as 200. So there's like a huge ethical problem around that. Imagine you're 25 and you didn't know you were donor conceived because back in the day there was no 23andMe and no Ancestry.com and your parents didn't tell you that your dad had male factor infertility and he used a sperm donor. At the time, the cryobanks and the doctors didn't inform, they told their parents not to inform kids because they thought it would just sever the relationship between dad and child right? I'm not your real dad, but I am your real dad. And real is, I'm using air quotes, you can't see that, but real is not necessarily about genetics, but you can see how that's a tough conversation. So you now have a generation of millennials who are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who are discovering their donor conceived. If you don't know your donor conceived and there's up to 200 siblings and you're out there on the apps, what happens if you accidentally date a sibling? What happens Girl. if you're, right, right? <laughs> like my mouth has been open this whole time because my mind is like, oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to go into like, okay, so I'm a solo mom. I want to have kids. I want to have a child. I have to know that I have to parent through this challenge that my kid is only going to know 50% of their DNA. They're never going to know who their dad is. Um, unless maybe they find that person on Ancestry.com or 23andMe. This poor person who donated doesn't know that they're going to be found because they probably donated before Ancestry was really a thing. So, you know, they're going to be surprised with one to 50 kids who are showing up at their front door going, oh, my God, I'm your kid. Like, hey, Um, dad. Yeah, Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And there's some really good resources on it. I'm being – I'm speaking quickly because there's – a lot to get through and because it's tough stuff. But if you're curious about this, there's a lot of great people who are trying to advocate for caps on how many how many donations you can make, how many kids you can produce. Um, and there's some really great podcasts and books about what it's like to be donor conceived. Oh um, I have to ask you. Yeah. So there is no like tally on these like profiles of these sperm donors about how many times like their child was conceived or if it worked or how many times like their sperm was bought. Like there's nothing. There is, but it's very imperfect. So, you know, a cal- a, a cryobank is going to re- rely on somebody like me to say to the sperm bank, yes, I got pregnant and I successfully had a child. And so they're supposed to keep tallies. And these days, 40 years ago, it was different, but these days they're really trying to be intentional about not, not producing too many kids. But what if I get pregnant using sperm that I bought from the sperm bank and didn't tell the sperm bank? Then they then they don't have that counted. So it's complicated. I understand the perspective of the sperm bank that they're trying to do their best. The other thing that they're trying to do their best on is get information about the donor's medical history. Mm. But a lot of the things like schizophrenia and um, certain autoimmune diseases show up later in life. So cancers. So imagine that you're a kid, you're now in your let's call you 35 and you discover you have some sort of a cancer, you're in the middle of a life crisis. The last thing you're going to do is say, you know, a couple of years ago, I donated to a sperm bank. Why don't I tell them I have this cancer so that the kids that I didn't know exist can know that they might have a genetic predisposition to this. It's just not going to happen. So there's, there's, I'm not blaming the sperm banks at all. And 
the whole industry is complicated. I was going to say this is complicated because here's the thing though, too, like even if you do meet in a traditional way, a partner or whatever, love of your Mm -hmm. life, whatever, you still run that risk. Totally. So, I mean, in a way, the only thing that makes it just more complex is the fact that like, you just don't know yet. But I mean, that's also, that can also happen with your real partner, like real air quotes, um, partner as well. I I mean, you, you just don't know. Yeah. And so I'm telling you guys this because if you're thinking about going down the donor route, maybe your partner has infertility or maybe you want to do it as a solo parent. I'm not saying this to frighten you, um, but more that there's stuff to think about and it informs the way you raise your kids once they're born. It informs the way you talk to them about um, how they were created. It informs the way in which you encourage them to make sure they're not accidentally dating a sibling, you know, just little things like that. But also, like anything, there are trade-offs. Nothing is perfect. Um, And donor conception is an amazing resource for those people like me who wouldn't, I wouldn't have a son without this amazing tool. And when I tell you that I'm so grateful that California Cryobank existed and had this like awesome donor for me, it's, there's nothing like the feeling that somebody gave you the option to have your dreams come true. Oh my God. You know? Well, exactly. And the fact that I, I want to say, like, just to kind of touch on this, like, new idea of how women are kind of going about this and mm-hmm. making the decision for themselves, um, to know that there are options that obviously were not available before. Uh, women are definitely, you know, in, in a position, I would say, now that they're working and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I have to ask you this, too. Like, I mean, single parents, right? They co-parent, but also too, they have to rely on like a small village to help them raise kids, like friends, family, whatever. Is it like that with you too? Like, yeah, a, a million to- trillion gazillion percent. Yes, there is a community behind me. Um, in fact, I couldn't just go get pregnant and then say to my family, guess what? You know, I had to talk to them and I had to talk to my sister in particular, who is deciding whether or not she wants kids and say, are you okay if something happens to me having this child in your life? And, you know, are you willing to be supportive and be there for me? And so, um, yes, there's a community and the best thing you can do is be part of somebody's community. Mm. So let's say you don't want kids, but you're awesome as an aunt. All you have to do is show up like once a month, that's, you know, that's me. That's me. Literally my sister had that conversation with me. Uh, she adopted three kids and um, they're all siblings. And she legit had that conversation with me too. She's like, if something happens to my husband and I, are you going to be okay raising these three kids? And I'm like, well, I mean, like, they're not, what am I going to do? Return them? Like, no, <laughs> obviously I will be fine <laughs> raising these three kids. Now, did I turn around and say, don't do anything stupid? Like, let's wrap you in some bubble wrap? Um, (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think like, you know, there's so many ways to be part of somebody's community. Sometimes it's showing up in the middle of like a rough nap time and saying, you know, why don't you shower and I will like make sure everything's cool here or um or bringing over coffee or just being available to text and chat and be, you know, there's so many ways to be part of somebody's community. And, um, and now that I have been the recipient of all that community love and support, I'm trying really intentionally to pay it forward to not just solo parents, but anyone, right? Like we all mm. humans thrive when we're in community with one another and we don't do well when we're alone and lonely. So my last question to you is mm-hmm. 
I know that you said that you think it's absolutely worth it. Are are there times where you sit back and you're like, fuck, what did I do? Of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, I think that's human. Um, he he is the most remarkable child ever. And I'm obviously biased, but he's <laughs> he's gorgeous, he's sweet, he's kind, he's fun, he's funny, you know, and so he makes my day brighter. And I know that like becoming a mom was like fulfilling a soul's purpose that I I knew was important to me, but I didn't know how good I'd feel being a mom. Mm. Right. Like I am, I am my best self as a mom. And there are moments when I am my worst self as a mom, right? That's there, there are moments when this is just hard. Like anything, it's just hard. Like maybe he's crying and he won't go for a nap and I'm desperate to get a couple emails out. And if he doesn't nap, I can't get that done or I can't shower. I can't work out or whatever it is. And it's nice that I said work out. I don't work out. Um, (laughs) It's okay. It's it's intention. It's intention. It's intention in my head. Um, But no, of course, anything you do in life is going to be a little bit hard at times and not perfect. And parenting is the rule, not the exception. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I I just got to hand it to you just because you're really just providing a lot of information to women who, and and you know what, I think it's, it's that thought process. So I I feel like when people have kids, sometimes it's an oops, right. And, Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and then they just don't really know what they're getting into and they don't know like anything about anything. And so it's like, for me, when I hear your journey and your thought process and all this, cause I'm like, you know what, this is the type of thought that really should go into <laughs> like whether or not you're ready to have a kid or whether or not you should have a kid because it's like, there's too many, you know, that are just like, well, here I am like, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, but I mean, are we working with a full deck here? You know, that is a fair thing to say in retrospect, but I'll tell you when I was trying to figure out how to have a family and when I was so sad about the breakup and, you know, going through all the medical procedures and spending all that money on sperm, I would have killed to have an oopsie, right? Like Uh. if I could have just like accidentally had this one wonderful night with some hot man and it ended up with me having a kid, that would have been so much cheaper and easier. So, um, I mean, okay. Both sides. There's two different, there's two different sides. I could see the, um, I said the pros in, in that, right? You save yourself a whole bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that a little bit in humor, but also in desperation. Like there was a point where I was like, why can't this just like happen? Um, mm. And, and also to say that there's just no wrong way for a family to come together. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. All right. Where can people find you? Where can people follow all the things? Awesome. Thank you. Um, so find me at Storked Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We cover topics like my journey, solo parenting, divorce, um, blending families, choosing not to have kids, which is such a big topic, um, adoption, choosing to create community in, as your family. You name it, we've covered it. Um, donor conception, a lot of that. And you can find me on the socials, Storked underscore podcast. Storked is S-T-O-R-K apostrophe D if you're searching for it. Um, We have a website on the website, sign up for the newsletter, which comes out almost weekly. And it's really good if I say so myself. Uh And um, yeah, come find me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I feel like I have learned so much and uh, hopefully you know, Slay Nation, if if you're kind of thinking or pondering these thoughts, maybe you should head on over and give a Storked a little follow there and see if, you know, maybe 
this is a thing for you. Uh, hopefully we provided some information and some inspiration. And until next time, we'll catch you later.